again to On Civics on Democracy, a podcast that tries to take a different approach to civics education. Other civics courses I have seen can be a bit dry and factual and avoid some of the areas of controversy. Civics needs to prepare citizens to be the guardians of the values of our form of democracy, so we have to wrestle with the tough issues. This is the first episode recorded after the historic events sparked by the murder of George Floyd at the hands of police. This has raised awareness of issues, albeit long-standing issues, of failings in some of our institutions. This forms part of the context and backdrop to the episodes to come. So we now continue with the fourth pillar of a constitutional democracy, the one I call diversity and pluralism. By contrast, we have seen the rise of the nativist populist form of democracy that promotes a myth of purity for their people, and they want to discriminate against other groups. Whereas a liberal democracy promotes the ideal of protecting minorities from the majority, and hopefully goes further to make minorities welcome. You might say this is also a myth that we maintain a supremacy for white, straight, affluent, able-bodied men. But the dream of minority protection has been a core enlightenment principle that emerged in part from the awful wars of religion in Europe. Democracies adopted policies like free expression and separation of church and state to allow people of different faiths the freedom to worship, to associate, and peacefully coexist. It was also important that one region could not dominate another. And over time, the principle enlarged to the discomfort of those who were part of the privileged majority. In 1971, Canada adopted a policy of multiculturalism in recognition that we cannot continue to privilege Anglo-Protestant elite, um, elites. And today, many Canadians take pride in our multicultural society and see ourselves as a model of how to get along peacefully. But there are many who are less impressed with gestures of inclusion and do not see signs of great progress. And there are others on the other end of the spectrum who fear what multiculturalism means for their view of Canadian values. So there is a struggle to agree on the policy and the story Canadians tell ourselves in the world. Pluralism is a cornerstone of modern democracy so here's a definition, quote, the view that in liberal democracies, power is or should be dispersed among a variety of economic and ideological pressure groups and is not or should not be held by a single elite or group of elites. Pluralism assumes that diversity is beneficial to society and that autonomy should be enjoyed by disparate functional and cultural groups within a society, including religious groups, trade unions, professional organizations, and ethnic minorities." End quote. Pluralist democracy requires free association, expression, and speech. People must be able to express different views and identities and network with like-minded people. Opposing ideas must coexist, however difficult that can be. Now, it is reasonable to impose a limit on hate speech, which is intolerant of tolerance, but we should engage in a healthy debate about where that line should be drawn in each case. 
In our federal system, we need to account for regional diversity. The Senate in the federal parliament is one institution designed to represent provincial and territorial diversity, whereas the House of Commons primarily represents the popular will. Regional diversity is also entrenched in the division of powers between the national, provincial, and municipal levels, but these powers overlap, thus creating conflict, compromise, and even cooperation. So where does Canada and Ontario fall short of its goals? Well, we still have the Indian Act and the slow progress toward improving conditions and permitting self-government for First Nations as well as Métis and Inuit people. There are some reasons why unraveling the Indian Act is difficult, but that's a hole that settlers dug for themselves. Yes, there have been steps forward in the past decade and our courts have upheld key legal rights, but we are a long way from earning reconciliation and the trust of Canada's institutions um, you know, by Indigenous people. So, as an example, former Crown Prosecutor Harold Johnson wrote that until 1952, it was against the law for Indigenous people to hire a lawyer to defend their rights against the government. And, you know, gestures like land acknowledgements elicit cynicism when not paired with progress on the many commissioned reports um, to improve matters. Having just finished Desmond Cole's book, The Skin We're In, giving a local context to the global anti-racism protests that we've been experiencing, I can add the failure to promote the freedom and prosperity of people of color. Canada recently celebrated its 150th anniversary, but many Canadians, um, you know, either Indigenous or people who um, may have come from, descended from uh, slaves or have experienced the racism, have felt excluded from that celebration and story. Moving to gender equity, we lack fair representation of women in politics. Our last two federal elections set records for the number of women candidates and elected MPs, but it is still less than one-third. And the ones who are politically active get targeted by haters, especially, let's say, online trolls. Studies have shown that the big political parties and their riding associations have a habit of choosing men for safe seats and women for the sort of long-shot ridings. And visible minority numbers are only starting to reflect the population with gains in 2015 and 2019. Um, but how, you know, however, it is encouraging that all this remains an issue in public discourse that can penalize parties who don't try to reflect diversity in their ranks. The extent of party discipline and concentrated power in the leader's hands, whether at the provincial or, or national level, uh, this also detracts from the chance to hear diverse views. It is true that without this discipline, the media and other parties would likely pounce on any differences, but it's, it is a, a paradox that we have these big tent parties that welcome diverse groups, but much of the time they have to be on message with talking points. Uh, although at their conventions, there is often a uh, room for internal debate.
Canada and the US, in contrast to many other democracies, were not imagined as nation states, but as mosaics or melting pots of diverse communities. So we have often been examples of openness to newcomers. In recent years, the Enlightenment values of all democracies have been shamed by anti-migrant attitudes. Not that such attitudes are abnormal in the history of, of countries like our own, but Canada was uh, a shining light at times during, uh, you know, for instance, the Syrian refugee period and, and uh, prior uh, refugee uh, experiences. Uh, but soon after the recent um, uh, intake of Syrian refugees, polls said that 40% of Canadians wanted fewer non-white newcomers. Luckily, our diversity and our economic needs may prevent big changes to immigration policies. Uh, but the debate on this policy, though, you know, to some extent legitimate, it does challenge our Canadian identity. A common concern on the right is that the left's emphasis on diversity and multiculturalism and identity is fragmenting our polity. In truth, identity politics is a big feature on both sides of the spectrum, made worse by the algorithms of digital platforms. As people protest in the streets of the world and fight over statues and symbols, some worry about the future fabric of society. Protest, especially peaceful protest, is a right and a duty of citizens as the guardians of the values of democracy. But in the next podcast, we will look at the pillar of democracy called unity. Until then, go to at Serve Democracy to help get the word out. Uh, donate if you can on the conservedemocracy.ca website. And I'm Daryl Lando. Thank you for listening and farewell.